Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And at this hour, air raid sirens are taking place over numerous cities in Ukraine. Welcome to the Rita Cosby Show. This comes as the U.N. Security Council calls for an emergency meeting over Ukraine. The meeting is scheduled now for March 17th to address the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine caused by Russia's full-scale invasion, with now reports that up to 3 million people have essentially fled that country in just over three weeks. What a stunning, stunning number. And, of course, this comes as Vladimir Putin has gotten more and more ruthless. It is shocking the types of crimes that the Russians are now committing against the Ukrainian people. And I want to ask you tonight, what should we do? What does America need to do to not just protect Ukraine, but basically to protect Europe and possibly protect the world? There are so many different opinions tonight. And, of course, we heard just a few hours ago from Ukraine's heroic, heroic leader, President Zelensky, who was pleading with Congress, pleading for help. And in fact, in just about 10 minutes or so here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to have Congressman Lee Zeldin talk about what it was like being in the room for that historic, powerful, emotional moment when we saw Zelensky join them virtually, basically pleading for his country, pleading for what he says is not just Ukraine, but basically the fate of the whole world. It was powerful. It was gripping. Remember, they also played that two-minute videotape that was gut-wrenching, where you saw, you know, women and children who were laying, who had been killed, who had been slaughtered by this madman, Vladimir Putin. So tonight, after hearing Zelensky, and after hearing now from so many different members of Congress, still President Biden finally steps up and calls him a war criminal, but is not going to give him MIGs at this point, is not going to do a no-fly zone. I want to hear from you tonight. Are those the right decisions? 
There are a lot of people who don't agree with the no-fly zone. They feel like, okay, maybe that obviously escalates things tremendously. But there are a lot of people on both sides of the political aisle tonight, even before they heard a very desperate, passionate plea from one of, I think, one of the greatest leaders that we have seen in a long time, President Zelensky. Even before that, they felt that we should give them the MiGs. And after his plea, they say, what is the difference between giving service to air missiles uh, by, before, you know, giving these other different things that will knock down potentially planes and missiles and a whole bunch of those things? Why not give him the MiGs? He is fighting for his destiny. He's fighting for all of Ukraine. And clearly, clearly, Russia just does not care. I mean, to me, if somebody had asked me, is Putin a war criminal? I would have been said it would have been like half a second. Heck yes, would have been the answer. But even today, Biden was kind of at first, uh, no. And then he went back and thought about it and then came back and said, oh, yeah, he is a war criminal. Even when he finally responded and finally said it, he was so tepid about it. He was so like waffly about it. It was like, oh, yeah, he's a war criminal. I mean, this does not feel like the leader of the free world. And today we even heard Zelensky making a personal plea directly to President Biden. And I'm glad he did because he needs to call him out. He needs to step up and act like a leader, either help to resolve this or at least make sure that Ukraine has the best fighting chance to defeat Russia. And I don't think he's doing either at this point. It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. And again, this comes as we are now hearing reports and seeing some of the images of the damage after a Russian airstrike on what is a theater transformed into a bomb shelter where there are reports that at least up to a 1,000 people may have been in that shelter, mostly women and children. Can you imagine? They knew it was filled with women and children. And in fact, there were markings around the theater, if you look at it, saying children. So they clearly marked it in Russian, saying this is where children are. In other words, don't hit this target. And the Russians specifically went and leveled the building. So they have now committed a mass casualty of hundreds of women and children in a fail swoop. They've already killed, they believe, thousands upon thousands, but now clearly targeting a building where children were being protected. They went after that building. How do we stop this madman? And having a leader who's like, well, yeah, I guess he's a war criminal, boy, Is that a scary premise now for the world? Here is a little bit of President Zelensky, because today, boy, was his plea powerful. And he invoked September 11th. He invoked Pearl Harbor. He basically said, you know what it feels like to be attacked. And you also know how important it is to stand up for freedom. This is what he said to the U.S. Congress just a few hours ago. Just remember it. Remember September the 11th, a terrible day in 2001 when evil tried to turn your cities, independent territories in battlefields, when innocent people were attacked. And he said, you know what that's like when suddenly evil came to your homeland. And he also said, you know what it's like to be able 
to go after them to seek justice. And we are begging you to basically help us do that. He said also that his fight is not just Ukraine's fight, but it's something that the whole world should care about. Take a listen. Right now, the destiny of our country is being decided. The destiny of our people, whether Ukrainians will be free, whether they will be able to preserve their democracy. Russia has attacked not just us, not just our land, not just our cities. It went on a brutal offensive against our values, basic human values. It threw tanks and planes against our freedom, against our right to live freely in our own country, choosing our own future. Unbelievable. And again, it comes after the town of Mariupol, which is being squeezed in every different direction, where they believe that there are thousands upon thousands who have been killed. And now in a fail swoop, maybe up to a thousand women and children may have been killed in a theater that was a bomb shelter marked to say children are inside and the Russians had no regard and leveled the building. Unbelievable. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Daniel in the Bronx. Daniel, your thoughts as you hear what happened just even in the last few hours there and also that very, I thought, incredibly passionate plea from President Zelensky of Ukraine, Daniel. Yeah. Hi, Rita. Um, I think it's just awful to hear the things that are going on over there. And uh, I think having heard that uh, that plea from the president of Ukraine this morning, uh, I don't see how someone can you know, turn their back on them at this point. I mean, uh, it is it is just heartbreaking. And I think you're absolutely right. We need to give them a fighting chance and like, you know, just get the bleeping MIGs in there or, you know, do whatever you got to do. I mean, this is a war. You know, these people are fighting for their lives, and uh, it's just, you know, our hearts all go out to them because I think we know that if, God forbid, that was, you know, our people, you know, we would be pleading also to for someone to help, right? And here he's literally doing that, and they're such good people, I think, uh, strong people, and um, I I just agree with you what you're saying. Yeah, how are you going to, you know, help them but not fully help them? You know, and like also, you know, what's amazing is, you know, Biden essentially is saying, you know what, we're we think the MIGs are escalatory. We don't know if they really need it. You know, you got Ukraine's president who's at bombs going off in every single different direction. He's saying we need it. I mean, I sort of trust him better than President Biden, knowing what his people need and know what he needs for his fight for freedom, Daniel. It's really tough. I mean, because I, I know obviously we don't also we don't want to have, God forbid, like a, a war for our country at the same time. But I think we need to be smart, you know, about how we talk about these kind of things and how we execute these kind of things. Um, there's got to be a way to do it, I'm sure. Uh, it's not, it may not be so safe, but, uh, you know, if people are willing to take on that mission, you know, they should have the ability to do it, you know, I agree. whatever that entails. I agree. Daniel, thank you very much for the call. You know, I also think they could have even just sort of snuck it in. I mean, what about just sneaking it in? They didn't need to telegraph it and say, hey, here's what's going on. First of all, they should have gotten them in there. Imagine if they had gotten the MIGs and other things in weeks ago, months ago. 
Ukraine may be in a very different position than feeling the heat of Russia from every different direction at this moment. When we come back, everybody, we are going to talk to Congressman Lee Zeldin. He was in the room when that virtual speech from President Zelensky, that incredibly historic and passionate speech, took place. Congressman Lee Zeldin, right after the break. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight, again, air raid sirens are taking place all over the country of Ukraine. By the way, satellite imagery taken shows that the word children, again, had been written in Russian outside the Mariupol theater where hundreds of civilians had taken shelter. There were reports that the Ukrainians had said that, and now we are getting confirmation through satellite technology, showing that they actually wrote, again, the word children outside this theater that was bombed by Russian forces, and they're believed to have been potentially up to a 1,000 women and children inside, again, killed by a Russian airstrike. Today, of course, President Zelensky made an unbelievable, passionate plea to U.S. Congress, begging for help and saying, basically, the future of the world's at stake. Take a listen. Today, the Ukrainian people are defending not only Ukraine, we are fighting for the values of Europe and the world, sacrificing our lives in the name of the future. That's why today the American people are helping not just Ukraine, but Europe and the world to keep the planet alive, to keep justice in history. And someone who was in that room when that virtual address took place is our next guest. He is a New York gubernatorial candidate for the GOP and also New York Congressman Lee Zeldin. Congressman Zeldin, great to have you here on the show with us. Always great to be with you, Rita. You know, I can't imagine what that was like, Congressman, to be there in the room Um, with all these other members of Congress, and listen to what I think was a historic address and a historic plea. Um, What was your reaction to President Zelensky today? Well, first off, right out of the gate, uh, you could just tell from his emotion at the initial greeting that, uh, you know, he is in the middle of fighting for his life, for his nation's life, uh, all Ukrainians on the ground fighting for freedom uh, as part of what was an illegal, illegitimate invasion by Vladimir Putin. And, you know, this isn't uh, day one or day two or day three, but they have been fighting here for a while. It's amazing the Ukrainian flag uh, is still flying in Kiev and other parts of Ukraine. But that emotion uh, was palpable right out of the gate. Uh, as far as the asks, they were candid. Uh, obviously, as the president of Ukraine, he's asking for the maximum amount of help possible. I, I understand that. Uh, we as members of Congress, uh, we as a nation here in the United States, uh, and for other nations like us uh, elsewhere, we all uh, analyze what our role is, what it can be, what more can be done, uh, with the ultimate goal of de-escalating. And I think that uh, 
that the ultimate goal here isn't to escalate this into uh, a larger conflict, um, but for Ukraine to be able to protect and defend its territorial sovereignty, to be able to continue to live free and for the Russian flag uh, to not be flown inside of those borders. Uh, there's there's more that can be done. Yeah, and I have a lot of questions for you, Congressman Zeldin. First off, I guess in the room, um, was it very emotional? Were there uh, just as many Republicans as Democrats? Were there anything unusual in the room or people that maybe didn't come? No, it was a packed house. Uh, there, uh, I, I've been inside the that, that CVC auditorium, the Capitol Visitor Center auditorium, when uh, we have almost everyone in the House of Representatives there. This was an added uh, dynamic with, uh, with with members of the Senate joining us too. So it was a a very packed house. Um, you know, fortunately, uh, the, the audio technology was all working. Unique challenges when you're going into what uh, sadly you would refer to as a combat zone. Uh, so fortunately, the, the connectivity was there for him to deliver his remarks. Uh, choosing to do it through a translator choosing to use video, uh, a very compelling visual message that uh, that they chose to share. Uh, clearly, they weren't just talking to members of Congress. President Zelensky was communicating to the American people. He was communicating to uh, the world. And uh, inside, uh, I would say it was a uh, it was a uh, a mix of emotion. Um, it, but I, I would say that uh, largely there's strong uh, bipartisan connectivity, connection, because what you have here is one person who's anti-freedom uh, engaging in war crimes uh, and a blatant illegal act uh, and, an, and an adversary of the United States and on the other side, you have a people where uh, young and old, uh, including a president, after we all witnessed Ghani fleed from, flee from Afghanistan, here you have a president's day. And we've, you know, as far as the information operations, the information war, uh, the in- information instrument of national power, Ukraine is doing a great job getting those videos, those pictures. Uh, to us and everyone else, everywhere else around the world, uh, you know, the, the young kid, the senior, uh, the person who chooses to detonate a bomb to stop in advance of Russian tanks, uh, th- there's just been so much courage and heroism. Uh, so the, the, the emotion was there before President Zelensky says first word. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Is there any doubt in your mind that Putin is a war criminal? Um, you know, I think about you've done so much, Congressman Zeldin, obviously, and also in the military as well, too, in your background with the U.S. Army. You were in Iraq, um, 82nd Airborne. Um, is there any doubt in your mind? It seemed like it took a while for President Biden to realize this guy's a war criminal, especially even with this latest attack that it was clearly marked children are in this building, in a theater, and yet the Russian troops leveled it. Correct. Yeah, no no doubt in my mind whatsoever he has been violating the international rule of law, the law of war, Geneva Conventions, uh, whatever uh, you would point to as to what makes a war crime, what whatever a document, uh, whatever 
parties have signed on to as to uh, what's appropriate. Uh, you know, the most basic concept of that would be an analysis of what makes a protected site, a hospital, a school, uh, somebody trying to um, practice their religion, whether it's uh, inside of a, a church, a temple, a synagogue. These are protected places uh, under the international law of war, and you're seeing Vladimir Putin target what are protected places. Now, a protected place can lose its protection if it's no longer operating as a hospital, and all of a sudden, under the guise of a hospital, you're conducting military exercises out of it, but that's not what we're talking about here. So you know, those are – that's part of the analysis. And then there's there's also the analysis with regards to uh, proportionality when choosing uh, to use uh, certain weapon systems uh, on you – know, are, are you going after a legitimate target – uh, that you've positively ID'd and it's not causing unnecessary collateral damage to innocent non-combatants uh, around that target. And you're seeing that imagery all throughout the entire country of you know, apartment buildings being leveled where there's no uh, you know, military operation being operated out of some of these sites where it's just people – taking shelter. So if, if we had to come up with, you know, as Rita and Lee had to, uh, you know, write down a list of, of charges. And, and, um, and uh, Congressman, can I ask you a favor, actually, just because we have a hard break coming up. Would you stay with us? And, and I want to talk more with you about this right after the break. Can you stay with us? Of course. Fantastic. Congressman Lee Zeldin coming up more after the break, talking about what we should do now. Rita Cosby is on. Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, two Montgomery County, Maryland police officers who were driving in the right place at the right time are being heralded for getting a man out of a burning vehicle after a crash on the interstate. And it happened last week. And it happened around 1.30 in the morning when Officer Nathan Rogers first noticed a car off the side of the road with its emergency signals on. Rogers said he turned on his cruiser lights. And as he approached that vehicle, he looked off to the side of the road and realized why the driver had stopped. He saw a car smoking pretty heavily into the grass berm. So he jumped into action. He was able to talk to the driver but was unable to get him because the door of the car could not open. The driver's foot went to the gas and it slammed it to the floor and the engine started overheating and redlining. What a scary situation. So luckily, seconds away from this was Sergeant B. Drew, who was headed home coincidentally at the time. Sergeant Drew saw Officer Rogers' cruiser. He stopped to help immediately, and Sergeant Drew was able to get the driver's foot off the gas, but that didn't prevent the car from catching on fire then and igniting the grass 
the grass. I mean, they're right there on the grass underneath it. And at that point, Rogers ran to his patrol car. He got a fire extinguisher as Drew pulled out his flashlight. The two of them went into action. Sergeant Drew used his flashlight. He broke the window, pulled the man out of the burning vehicle as Officer Rogers was able to douse the flames enough so that they could get the man to safety. Both of them say they were happy that they were there at the right time. And the officers also hope that in the future that they can reunite with the man that they help save. And what a great story about how terrific our men and women in blue are every single day. And, of course, they are big supporters of freedom, as is certainly President Zelensky, who is fighting for his life. And just a few hours ago, President Zelensky of Ukraine came out to the U.S. Congress and said, I need a lot more than what you're giving. You're giving some, you know, ammunition. You're giving a number of stingers, javelins, but I need a whole bunch more. I need you to close the skies. Take a listen. Is this a lot to ask for, to create a no-fly zone zone over Ukraine to save people? Is this too much to ask? Humanitarian no-fly zone, something that Ukraine, that Russia would not be able to terrorize our free cities. And we continue now with New York Congressman Lee Zeldin. He is also, of course, GOP gubernatorial candidate, again, for the New York governor's office. Um, Congressman Zeldin, um, right before the break, we were talking about what Ukraine needs. Um, You're also a, a military guy. What do you think they should get now to really be able to put Russia in its place? So the, the good news is that they they have been receiving more and more each day uh, all across the entire spectrum of different kinds of tools, resources that they need for their own self-defense, uh, and that is going to continue to get ramped up. I, I would say, though, that a lot of what they're getting now, they really need it earlier. Uh, and this is on – and we were talking earlier about the information instrument of national power uh, – with regards to the military instrument of national power and also economic, uh, the sanctions that were being threatened uh, before Putin decided to get in obviously weren't a deterrent because Putin decided uh, to go in anyway. Uh, and then when he goes in, there's been a steady increase in the amount of uh, sanctions, more with teeth. Uh, that's good. They're starting to hit Putin closer to home as far as economic pressure inside of Russia. Uh, They're experiencing more pressure politically within the military chain of command, and also the Russian economy wasn't doing that great before this hit. Uh, This has only made it worse. So there's domestic pressures that are created there. Um, As far as, um, you know, this debate over a a no-fly zone, uh, I have a concern with regards to those who are leading our own country right now. You know, President Biden, he green-lighted that minor incursion. Uh, you know, then they tried to clean it up the next day, but a lot of damage was already done in Russia. Uh, if, if you have a decision made where the United States of America is going to be enforcing and shooting down uh, Russian aircraft uh, over the skies of Ukraine, I am concerned that that right now the president of the United States, the commander in chief, is not equipped to deal with those consequences of what that means, because you you are essentially opening up a big door that looks like World War Three. And then who knows where it goes from there. And let me ask so, you, Congressman, are you concerned because it's President Biden or are you concerned no matter what U.S. president was in the helm? 
Well, if, you know, if President Trump was in the seat, I don't think Putin would have went into Ukraine at all. Uh, and and oftentimes when the military option is on the table, it's on the table not because you want to use it, but because you don't want to use it. You know, if you have if you say that there's going to be a no fly zone that you're going to enforce, and it's the right leader, you know, and you're strong and consistent and effective uh, in a way where your adversary realizes that it's it's far against their best interest to challenge that, then you could put a no-fly zone in place, and you never have to actually enforce it. And there's just respect. Uh, there's respect of sovereignty, of neighbors, of the United States. So for me, honestly, it's, just, it's an issue with regards to President Biden, and it's an issue uh, with, with regards to Vice President Harris, who's being sent overseas and giving these speeches and uh, and, and not doing a good job. I, I, I might be a different party, and I didn't vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. However, I'm an American. I'm an, a proud American, and I want them to be successful. Absolutely. I'm, a, I'm also in my 19th year in the United States Army, and my heart is is there uh, far more than serving in an elected office. My life has been more in the military, and, and I just am very sensitive to decisions made where you're going to end up putting our service members in a harm's way where they are not being set up to win. They're being set up to fail, and I, and I uh, am concerned that right now we have leadership at the highest levels of our own government that could potentially end up putting American lives in harm's way without a plan to win. What about at MIGs? What about supplying MIGs yeah, to I, them? I, I could I could see that we're going to uh, that 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 I believe that that's something that's going to get transferred. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, this doesn't have to go through the United States. The United States doesn't even have to be involved in that process. But you know, hell, you know, heck, here we are, um, and we're having this conversation. But the asset uh, is something that I do believe is going to get transferred to Ukraine, and it's going to be helpful. And is that going to come through U.S., or do you think some other country is just going to do it and say, listen, they need it, to heck with uh, Biden? Uh, I, I don't believe it has to come through the United States. Uh, but, but as far as a decision made of you know, the how, the where, the when, uh, I have not, as, as a member of Congress, I haven't uh, been told of a decision that's been made there um, but I, I don't believe that this is something that needs to go through the United States to accomplish the same exact goal. Yeah, I agree. Although it seems like um, Poland and, for for example, Congressman Zeldin wanted it to kind of go through at least some of uh, some of the way through U.S. So they were sort of bearing part of the responsibility, if you will, not just one country bearing the brunt. So it's an interesting dynamic. But I agree with you. I think get them the MIGs. I think they shouldn't have telegraphed it. I've said just put it on a you know on a couple uh, you know. Uh, trucks, uh, even if it's in pieces, it should have come in months ago. Um, before I let you go, I got to talk with you because um, we're talking about leadership and you brought up, of course, President Biden. Um, you are also not only a congressman, uh, a military guy, um, you are also running, of course, in the New York governor's race. And you got some great new polls recently. I want to have you share that because you really feel it's important to lead New York State. I announced almost a year ago for governor of the state of New York. Uh, we have received tremendous amount of support during this campaign, tens of thousands of donations, thousands of volunteers. We have 62 counties in New York. In the first six months, I had campaigned in all 62 counties at least twice. We've been working hard all in. Issues are on our side. Everything is going well in this race. Uh, just a, a couple of days ago, we saw 
uh, in a new story that uh, the New York Post first broke. Uh, we have taken a one-and-a-half-point lead over Kathy Hochul. We wow. uh, came in with that poll at 45.5%. Kathy Hochul was at 44%. And uh, I believe, first off, the election was held today. We're going to win. And if you know, the, we still have to go through what is just over seven months between now uh, and the election day, November 8th, where so much is on the line for our country and for our state. Uh, but I've seen that every single day it's actually only gotten better. And now today the news is that uh, Andrew Cuomo is seriously thinking about running as an independent on a third-party line, which means that we're not just going to win the race, but our margin would only increase if he chooses to do that because he'll pull more support from uh, from Kathy Hochul than he would from us, obviously. And then we also uh, saw a story that the New York Post also broke earlier today uh, we have now built up uh, a 31-point lead in a potential Republican Party primary. I, I've been endorsed now by the conservative party, so I'll be on the conservative party ballot November 8th. Uh, I've been endorsed by the Republican party, so automatically on, a, uh, on the Republican party ballot. Uh, however, right now in the month of March, if a Republican wants to collect signatures to run a primary against us, they can do that and have to submit it at the beginning of April. So we'll see if anyone files. But uh, in a, a hypothetical primary, the polling uh, tested us against some of the people who are out collecting signatures. And uh, we came in with a now wide open 31-point lead, uh, which I think in, in large part is due to uh, many factors. But we've now been on uh, doing statewide TV and radio since the beginning of February, and the message is really starting to to take hold. People are starting to pay attention. They're signing up to get it, get involved. Everything is clicking right now. Uh, so on all fronts, we're just feeling really good. We're not going to look back, pedal to the metal, all in, taking nothing for granted. We're in this race to win. And as our current TV ad uh, right now uh, focuses on, and it mentions right at the end of that 30-second spot, losing is not an option. We well, I am very, very excited for you, and we're so thankful, obviously, for your service, not just there as you are in Congress and running for governor, but also in the U.S. military. It's so awesome. And uh, Congressman Zeldin, you got to come back on again soon, please, anytime. All right, you got it, of course. Uh, have a great night, and uh, thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you so much. Congressman Lee Zeldin running for governor in New York and again there in the room also, as you heard, when President Zelensky was giving his very passionate address. Um, what are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jerry in Long Island. Jerry, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Jerry. Hi, Rita. Uh, first of all, I just heard Lee's interview, and I, I'm from the town. I'm from the town of Brookhaven. I'm very familiar with him. I'm not uh, into politics, but I do help with campaigns and everything. And he's a great American. He's got a wonderful family, and I hope to heck he beats the Democrats in November because we need to take our, 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 our state back. It's getting crazy here in New York. Uh, you know, people are running out of here. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, that lived in the city. They're all out in the Hamptons, you know, for the last two or three years since the crime has gotten so bad, they're not even going back. So we need to take our city back and get some. We just need somebody with some sense. But I wanted to comment on these MIGs. Um, originally, uh, the United States said that Poland could give them the MIGs. Right. And then what happened is they tossed the hot potato in our lap. They put the MIGs at Ramstein and they want our pilots to fly them in, which is I don't think Biden said no. I think his Pentagon said no, actually. 
And, and, actually, and Biden, to... actually, Jerry, and I'll let you go um, continue, but Biden actually said no, according to multiple reports, that it actually went up to the president. And part of the reason, by the way, that Poland did that, I am I surmise, is that they didn't want to kind of go it alone. They didn't want Putin suddenly, knowing the history of Russia and Poland, too, um, they didn't want to be like the only one suddenly giving the MiGs, and they wanted to make it look like a bit of a NATO operation, a team right. giving the MiGs. Because that's kind of scary to say, hey, we're the ones who gave the MiGs. Well, then you're in the bullseye of Putin. But be that as it may, we're gonna, they want our pilots to fly them in. And then, well, know, not one, necessarily, one, not necessarily. They could have somehow somebody else could have picked them up in Ramstein. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get there. You know yeah. what I mean? They could have somehow gotten some Ukrainian pilots out to pick it up. It would have been easier to drag them across the border from Poland, actually. But anyway, the point I, I agree. To make hey, is- by the way, Jared, and sorry to interrupt you, just because I because I I, um, I agree with you. They should have like I think they just should have put them on a truck. I, I honestly, yeah. I think they should have done it months ago, snuck it in, you know, made it look like it was, you know, uh, whatever, like, you know, 10,000 barrels of hay. And there happens right. to be three planes underneath it. Come on, you know, do it. But actually, I, the, the, MiG, the MiG-29, I, we flew up against them in Desert Storm. Um, they were no match for the F-16. And the F-16 was built in 77. The MiGs came out in 79. It's a 40-plus-year-old airplane. I don't know how they were maintained, but... If they even get them into Poland on the ground, the Russians have these fourth-generation MiGs now. They'd be target practice in the air, these Ukrainian pilots. And they, they wouldn't even probably let them get off the ground. As soon as they hit the tarmac, the Russians, they, they, they would have to bomb them. I mean, I'm not, you know, advocating for the Russians. But if they have any sense, they would, you know, take them out before they even got in the air. So it's, it's, it's going to be really hard. I mean, I think they're better off with the anti-aircraft stuff that they're getting now. They're getting a lot of stuff in now that I think it's going to be more effective than the MiGs. I'm not saying they shouldn't give them the MiGs, but it's not as cut and dry. I mean, the reason Poland was willing to give up these MiG-29s is because we were supposed to replace them with F-16s. Exactly. The F-16s are a much better plane. Even though they were built two years earlier than the MiGs, they, the Air Force retrofits them with all the latest computers and everything. No, I you're mean, right. The, you're... the F-22 Raptor, the, the F-22 now would beat anything in the sky. They're all computerized. The pilot hardly has to do anything. No, you are absolutely right. Jerry, thank you very much uh, for your, your great perspective, too, and your military, and also your service, too. Thank you so much. Um, but you're right. You know, you know what I think, though, also, is that we shouldn't have telegraphed. You know, it shouldn't be a public debate what they're getting. It should be... They snuck them in. Somehow they showed up there, whether it came through the Polish border, whether it came through Ramshine, whatever it is. The fact that it's become such this big public debate, um, it should have just gotten in there. That's my personal feeling. They should have done it weeks ago. They should have done it months ago. And just like you said, now there's so much attention about it that they would be sitting ducks the minute that they were spotted. You're right that the Russians are looking for it. They're hitting that airfield. That's why they hit that airfield that was near the Polish border. I don't think it was a coincidence. One reason is they thought maybe the planes might come through there. Somehow those planes would be right there. And it was also to send a message to Poland, too. So you're right. Um, but there's still got to be a way to get them in and sneak them in. There is no way that at this point where the Ukrainians are doing everything they can and they are fighting with just everything in their heart and soul. They want these MiGs. There's got to be some creative way to get them in. Are you kidding me? In 2022, with all these powers involved, we got to come up with a great way, you guys. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue with your calls after the break. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. 
latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And here on the Rita Cosby Show, some very interesting news coming out of Ukraine. First of all, the curfew in Kiev is expected to expire in two hours. They had a 35-hour curfew. So the question is, will it be extended? Uh, will it be finished? Um, the whole purpose of it was to determine basically if there were bad guys basically in the city, that the good people would stay inside off the streets. So then for military intelligence, you could tell who was on the streets. And again, the curfew in Kiev and a number of other major cities expected to expire in just over two hours. Also, remember, one of the mayors, there were several mayors that were actually abducted, taken, kidnapped by the Russians, including this first one from Melitopol, the mayor, Ivan Fedorov. Remember the video, that dramatic video of the mayor who was taken with a bag over his head? And they put a plastic bag over his head and took him out of the town. And the whole town was, you know, chanting and screaming and shouting at the Russians. And they took him away. And a lot of people thought he was going to be killed by the Russians. Well, now, finally, some good news. Um, Melitopol mayor has been apparently, according to one report, exchanged for nine Russian conscripts. They're actually doing sort of prisoner exchanges. Isn't that interesting? That the soldiers were 18 to 19 years old. Um, this is according to uh, a representative with the UN go- with the uh, Ukrainian government, and that the mayor Ivan Fedorov, who was abducted and held captive by the Russian forces for five days, was returned. So there's a report that luckily that mayor is alive and was part of sort of a hostage exchange where they got nine Russian soldiers, 18 to 19 years old, in return uh, for the mayor. So very interesting development coming tonight out of Ukraine. Meantime, President Zelensky saying that Russia is hitting the country from all different directions. And again, this report of them leveling, as we saw from the pictures, a bomb shelter which had women and children. Take a listen. Here's Zelensky a few hours ago. Russia has attacked not just us, not just our land, not just our cities. It went on a brutal offensive against our values. Basic human values. Basic human values. What kind of monster levels a building that is marked for children that is a bomb shelter with women and children inside? That monster is Vladimir Putin. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Larry, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts. Go ahead, Larry. Okay, first of all, there's nobody home in the White House. This um, situation violated all the principles of MAD, which is Mutual Assured Destruction, because in the three weeks that Putin was slowly building up on the border, what he was doing is he was feeling up to see what's feeling out, excuse me, to see what Biden is going to do. What Biden did was nothing. Feeling Um, up, that's Cuomo. That's a different story. But go ahead, Larry. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, um, so if Biden had, had immediately sent troops um, to, to the border of Poland while Putin was building up, okay, then he would have been able to now establish a no-fly zone because Putin would have said, well, we thought he was going to attack, but he's not attacking. He's only trying to rescue the people. But instead, that's called, uh, that's called MAD, Tactics of Mutual Assured Destruction. Now, what, but what about hitting a bomb shelter that has marked children inside, now killing what could be potentially a 1,000 women and children in one fail swoop? It's horrible. Okay, first of all, 
I don't believe Putin is, is, is calling these shots. I believe his generals are calling these shots for the reason – first of all, they're detached from the, in the field. He gave it all over to them. But the reason is is that the Ukrainians used the tall buildings to snipe on the, uh, on the generals. So wait, 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 Larry. That's a reason to kill women and children in a building? I mean, that is outrageous. What? That's like I, – I can – Maybe that's part of their, quote, justification, but there's no justification for killing women and children. Larry, do me a favor. Stay with us. We're going to continue more after the break. I'll get you to respond. But you know what? There is no reason. That is one of the most despicable acts of war. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And good evening, everybody. As we continue the Rita Cosby show, Russia brutally and relentlessly attacking Ukraine, even targeting locations tonight. And again, there was a curfew in effect that is expected to expire in about an hour or so. It was a 35-hour curfew that was put in place by the Ukrainians. We'll see if that continues or if they lift the curfew. But right now, the fate is unknown of up to a 1,000 women and children who were in a theater in Mariupol, which is a place that has been squeezed by the Russians, and it was targeted by a Russian airstrike. And it was marked children, basically children inside the building, clearly marked. In fact, satellite images were showing that they wrote children in Russian. In other words, there are children in this building. Do not hit it. And they still leveled the building and the fate of potentially now up to a thousand women and children still unknown at this hour after that horrible, brutal war crime. In addition to that, there are also reports that more than 10 people who were standing in line for bread in northeast Ukraine were open fired upon and all killed by Russian forces. And also now a new report that volunteer paramedics have been captured um, along with their driver, that ambulances who were going trying to save the lives of civilians have been now captured and taken by Russian forces, their fate unknown. So all of this comes as Vladimir Putin is tightening the noose around Ukraine. And I can't believe that he actually has the audacity to now try to go on the offensive from a political standpoint. Just a few hours ago, Russia claiming that its so-called military operation has amounted to self-defense, that all they are doing is defending themselves. Right. They're targeting a theater with women and children, and they're defending themselves. These are animals. I mean, these are just unbelievable, horrible acts. And in the middle of all this, they're also claiming that the fate of Ukraine basically will, quote, Determine the world order. That is a direct quote coming from Russia's foreign minister and Putin's good longtime friend, Sergei Lavrov, saying the war will determine the world order. So they're putting it all on the line, saying that they have to win. And winning means killing as many women and children, clearly, 
in the face of what we have seen in last few days. And also, in the middle of all this, Vladimir Putin has the audacity to complain about the sanctions and also the behavior of people toward Russians. He's saying that the West is canceling him. Take a listen to him speaking out, wondering why the world is angry at Russia. In many Western countries, people, just because they come from Russia, are subjected to real bullying today. They are denied medical care, their children are expelled from schools, their parents are deprived of jobs, they ban Russian music, culture, literature, trying to cancel Russia. Oh, I can't imagine why people would be angry at Russians right now in this sense of the word, or angry at Putin and his horrible, horrible henchmen. By the way, they're also doing sanctions. Russia is going on the offense and sanctioning President Biden, uh, senior Democratic officials, including Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, also imposing sanctions on Hillary Clinton. Uh, I think it's interesting. Hunter Biden's in the list there. He's someone who, as we know from many reports, was apparently getting lots of money from Russians and elsewhere. Remember the mayor, former mayor of Moscow's wife, that whole deal. Um, But clearly they are going on the offense saying, why is the world angry at Russia? My goodness. Well, in the middle of all this, President Zelensky of Ukraine is coming out and he is saying, President Biden, step up. The world needs a leader right now. We are being slaughtered. We're being cornered from all different directions. And when he did his very passionate plea before Congress just a few hours ago, he spoke in English and made a direct appeal to President Biden saying he needs to be a leader right now. I'm addressing the President Biden. You are the leader of the nation, of your great nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Thank you. Slava Ukraine. Biden, I need you to be the leader of the world, the leader of peace. In other words, step up, be a leader. Try to push both sides to the negotiating table. Bring peace, bring an end to what is now hell on earth in Ukraine. And here's what General Jack Keane had to say about those remarks by President Zelensky. I'm addressing the President Biden. You are the leader of the nation, of your great nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Thank you. Slava Ukraine. And it was so powerful, we played it twice. Here is General Jack Keane saying what it all means. I loved his ending. He pinned the rose on the president. He looked at him, he said, you're the leader of the nation. I want you to be the world leader. And what he is saying to him, he wants him to step up and end this suffering of the Ukrainian people. Help me to defeat the Russians and end this thing. And President Biden has never really embraced it like that. He's never said, this is not going to stand. I am going to do everything in my power to help the Ukrainians defeat the Russians and get the Russians out of Ukraine. We are going to save Ukraine. Those words or words like them have never come out of his mouth. He said something to the effect he was going to, we're going to strengthen the Ukrainians' resistance. Words to that effect. Not enough. Not enough. We need a leader now. And that was the message pleaded from 
President Zelensky of Ukraine. And even after all that, President Biden said, yeah, we're going to give some more service to air missiles. We're going to do even some drones, um, which, listen, all good stuff. But he is saying, I need MiGs and I need more. We are on a precipice right now. Help us beat Russia. Because if not, you may see him coming to you. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry uh, again in Brooklyn. Larry, your thoughts. Uh, I had to cut you off before the break, but go ahead, Larry. Yeah, I, I just think, first of all, uh, these are war crimes by the generals, and they should be made aware of the fact that they may never be subject to prisoner exchanges. They may go right to trial after this and, uh, you know, be tried in, uh, for war crimes. And also, what I want to say is, is that, you know, um, it, it, this has been a total psych job, implicit in what, what Putin said when he said that uh, New World Order, this is another way of threatening nuclear war. He, but he, he's doing a whole psych job on Biden. He doesn't want to get wiped out. I mean, it, it, it's clear. I mean, that, that, that's why you have, to tough, you have to be tough back with them. And, and first of all, you know, when a civilization or a sovereign country is faced with the prospect of extinction, you go back to Nixon in 73 when Kissinger approached him. And he, Kissinger didn't want to, want to calibrate uh, the U.S. response to make it a stalemate in the Middle East in, in the Yom Kippur War. But when Nixon heard that the Syrians were wiping out the Israelis, were outnumbering the Israelis in the Golan, and Kissinger asked him, how many C-130 planes full of tanks should we send? Nixon said, send everything that flies. Wow. See, that's what we need right now, don't you think, Larry? I mean, if you're looking at it, and, and I understand the, the no, no-go, no-fly zone area, but if you're going to be in, you can't kind of have your foot in the in the water, you know, kind of tiptoe in. Either we're going to let them win and beat the Russians, or we're going to be in a quagmire, or they're going to be in a quagmire for gosh knows how long. And and you hit a great point, because a lot of people are saying, where is the Kissingers? Where where are the, you know, the, the Churchills? Where are these kind of leaders? Because you need one right now. Um, Larry, thank you very much. You're great, and I really appreciate you holding on. And, you know, a lot of people, who is it? John Kennedy, who I love, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. And we played this on the show yesterday because he came out and said, you know, Biden has a wishbone where his backbone used to be. You know, like he needs to get a spine and really be a leader and either say, hey, listen, you're going to come to the table, or if not, here's what's going to happen to you, Russia. You know, I mean, you need to have some sort of fear in a madman or he's going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. That's what a bully does. And this man is killing women and children. He slaughtered a, a theater that was clearly marked with kids and he leveled it to the ground. He has had his forces kill 10 people who are in a bread line, starving, waiting for food. They couldn't get any food. They finally get in a bread line and they get leveled by a bunch of Russian, you know, it's unbelievable. And anybody who thinks like, oh, Putin doesn't know what's going on, hogwash. Putin is pulling all the orders. Before you hit a strike like a theater and it says children marked all over, should we take the hit? Should we take the hit? You can bet Putin's like, hurry up. He probably was not. I, there is no doubt that he has played a central role with so many of these things. Larry, you also talked about the generals. That's a great point because General Jack Keane also said 
Don't just go after Putin as a war criminal. Go after these generals, anybody who called the shot, who had to reach out to Putin, who actually said, "Okay, here's what I think. Let's take out this building. Let's do this. Let's do that. Anybody who was involved in any of these strikes, and sadly, there have been dozens of them now in the last few weeks. General Jack Keane says, take them to justice, because a lot of times these generals, they sort of lay in the background. I mean, all we really know now is Putin, Putin and his henchmen. Who are the henchmen? Let's call them out. Let's blackball them for the world to see. Let's put them on a list of war criminals and put them in and put them on trial and make sure that they and anybody who knows them are blackballed, too, as well. You know, but take a listen. Here is General Jack Keane saying, go after the generals, too. We've got to identify uh, the people who are executing his war crimes as well. All those generals out there that are killing these innocent Ukrainian people, they've got to be named, named. And, uh, and I think the Congress of the United States is fully intended to, to do just that. So that's very important. Yeah, time to go after every single person who has had a decision in going after Anybody in Ukraine, and especially anybody who made the decision on the civilians. Let's go to Reggie from Pennsylvania. Reg, your thoughts on all this? Hey, hey, um, Rita. I, I want to add a little perspective. I think to this with the uh, the air assets of the uh, Polish uh, of the Poles offering those MiG 29. I think people are don't understand the logistics involved in that. If you get airplanes up in the air, they need to be armed, they need to be maintained, and they need to be fueled. You need ground assets for that. You need a base that's protected and safe, and you need those pilots. Those, those pilots don't loiter over targets for very long. Those planes are up in the air a minimal amount of time. Therefore, they're going to be – they need a base. Oops, I lost your – I lost your, Reg. But go ahead, Reg. They, those assets – I think people are spoiled with, with the way we – you know, not that you should – uh, be prideful in war, but I think people are spoiled in the way we conduct war. We get air superiority, we get an aircraft carrier, we have late safe landing spaces and bases right. for planes. Those those bases and and, uh, and assets don't exist in the in Ukraine right now. Those planes are going to get up in the air at some point if they're going to be valuable and be part of the fight. They're going to need to be based in a NATO country where they have safe entry and exit. You know, that, by the way, Reg, you brought up a great point because no one has talked about that. Like, where are they taking off from? By the way, the other thing, too, Reg, in the middle of all this, the airfields that did exist in Ukraine, because they do have an air force, um, although not a real powerful one. But even the airfields that did exist, the Russians are bombing. That was one of the locations. That was that international peacekeeping force that was near the border of Poland that had an airfield there. And that's a lot of the reason that they surmise that if the planes were coming in, they would have come into there. Um, but that's a that's a really, really good point, Reg, because you're right. As soon as they take up and they go to the skies, um, they got to hurry up and be quick. Um, but just think, even if they can get up quickly and get at some of those tanks that are still surrounding Kiev right now, Imagine if they can take out a whole bunch of tanks in one fell swoop and then come back. Um, but you're right. Where are they going to land without being struck? But at least give them a chance. I mean, we're, we're not even saying give them a chance with the MiG. So far, President Biden has said, uh-uh, uh-uh. And most people are saying, yeah, let's go for it. You even heard from Lee Zeldin, who was on just a little bit ago. He was like, let's go for it. And so many even Republicans and Democrats are saying that. At least give them a fighting chance. Maybe they have some location that they think they can put them in 
just like you said, uh, the word doesn't involve, because I don't think NATO is going to want them flying back and forth. That I don't think is going to work either. But that's a great point. Where do they land and where do they take off from where they don't just get bombed in two seconds by the Russians? That's a really important point. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Is our president making a mistake that still to this moment, even though, as you just heard from Reggie, there's a lot of complications with these MIGs. Is he making a mistake not giving them to the Ukrainian people after Zelensky was pleading, saying, give us everything you can. Let us take the MIGs. We'll fly them. We'll protect them. We'll put the gas in them. We'll fuel them. We'll do all that stuff. We'll even take off and land. They're saying within country, they seem to think they have a plan. Why don't we give them a chance? 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And some new information coming out, some new comments actually coming from Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who, of course, addressed Congress earlier today. And in an interview with NBC News on Wednesday regarding the Russian invasion said nobody knows whether World War Three may have already started, that this may have already begun. And what is the possibility if the war with Ukraine, what if it fails? It's very hard to say what could happen next if we fail. Again, some very powerful comments coming from President Zelensky. Meantime, President Biden answered after Zelensky addressed Congress, and he gave a list of all the different weaponry that the U.S. is now going to supply. Take a listen. Here's what he repeated. This is cut number eight, where he listed and said, here's what we're going to give them now. Our new assistance package also includes 9,000 anti-armor systems. These are portable high High accurate, high accurately, high accuracy shoulder mounted missiles that Ukrainian forces have been using with great effect to destroy invading tanks and armored vehicles. It will include 7,000 small arms, machine guns, shotguns, grenade launchers to equip the Ukrainians, including the brave women and men who are defending their cities as civilians and they're on the countryside as well. And we're and we and as well as the ammunition, artillery and mortar rounds to go with small arms, 20 million rounds in total. But no MIGs. What do you think, everybody? And should we be listing exactly what we're giving them? I don't know why we're doing that. Why are we listing and telling the Russians? Here's exactly the kind of weaponry exactly we're going to give them. Does that make any sense to you? Let's go to Howard in Babylon. Howard, you're here on the Rita Cosby show. Go ahead, Howard. Hi, Rita. What do you think, Howard? You know, I don't like when he lists all the weaponry. I don't, first of all, I don't think Russia deserves to know what we're sending them. And second of all, we should have sent them MIGs and we should have done it weeks, if not months ago. I agree with you, but I want to add a point. So far, I've listened to your show and other shows on ABC every night, and no one has mentioned the term malignant narcissist. And that is what Putin is. And that was what Hitler was, and that was what Stalin was. They are, and Saddam Hussein as well. They are into power. That is their aphrodisiac. That is what turns them on. So, how do you stop someone? 
That's a great, you know, Howard, by the way, I called him a megalomaniac, sort of that delusion of grandeur, almost the same. But I like your line better, a malignant narcissist. How do we stop a malignant narcissist? I'll tell you how you kill them or put them in a position where they kill themselves. Hitler killed himself, for example. We executed Saddam Hussein. And Stalin died of a brain hemorrhage before he killed more of his own people. But you know, it's an interesting point as you bring up uh, the fate, especially of the first two. They were all cornered. Hitler, he was cornered. He was in that bunker in Berlin, knew the end. It was the end was there. Um, You know, everything Mm -hmm. was falling around him. Saddam was hold, you know, hiding in that hole, remember, and uh, surrounded by troops who were like, you know, when they opened up the hole, there he was. So, I mean, they had yeah. nowhere to go. So that's what we, we have to box in a Putin. You know, right now, sadly, I think he has too much free reign. And what he is doing is a reign of terror. It is absolutely frightening. And I agree with you that he is a narcissist. And that's a scary personality when somebody is like that and has no bounds and all he cares about is himself. He doesn't care, I don't think, how many troops die. He just cares on making his mark in an evil way. We're going to continue with your calls. Great point, Howard. 1-800-848-9222. And coming up also, our Support Our Heroes segment. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we recognize great men and women in the military. I love this story coming out of Kyle, Texas, where a special ceremony was held to celebrate a World War II veteran who is also a hospice patient for his military service and a great life well-lived. Wesley O'Neill Pennington, who is 94 years young, is a current resident of a senior living home. He served in the U.S. Navy between 1945 and October 1949, and he served on the USS Wiltsey, which is a destroyer. And he also garnered a Good Conduct Medal, a China Service Medal, an American Area Campaign Medal, and a World War II Victory Medal throughout his years of service. And during the ceremony, which took place just a few days ago, the World War II veteran was presented with a victory medal, a Navy pin, um, also an American flag, and also a hat presented that had a destroyer logo and a certificate of appreciation for, quote, advancing the universal hope of freedom and liberty for all. What a beautiful, beautiful tribute to a member of the greatest generation. And we are talking, of course, about the onslaught of Ukraine, what's been happening by Russian forces as some of the latest attacks have become more and more brutal. Zelensky making a very passionate plea before Congress today. And President Biden replied and said, yeah, we're going to give you more military aid, $800 million worth, a lot of aid, but still not going to give him the MiGs. And that has drawn a lot of different questions. Here's an exchange. I want to play this. This is Jen Psaki actually talking with Jackie Heinrich, who asked a Fox News correspondent who covers the White House, asked, listen, why won't you give the MiGs? What's the difference? You're giving all this different hardware. You're giving drones. You're giving radar. You're going to be given a whole bunch of different stuff. What's the difference between them and these jets 
that Ukraine keeps begging for. And in fact, Zelensky specifically said, we would like the planes. Please give us these planes. And they're coming from Poland. Please allow this to happen. Please endorse it. Please support it. And this is the exchange. Take a listen. They're still sort of bumbling and fumbling all over the place as to why no planes should go to them. Can you lay out for us why the administration sees MIGs as provocative and javelins and stingers as not provocative? Well, first, javelins and stingers are defensive weapons. Uh, MIGs or planes are offensive weapons, which are a different type of military system. I would say the other assessment that we've done, not through here, not through the White House, not through the president, from, from the Department of Defense, is to assess what is effective and what works uh, in terms of fighting this war on the ground. And that is why we provided an additional uh, $1 billion, $800 million announced today, but $1 billion this week, uh, of assistance, uh, utilizing a number of the um, high-level military uh, systems, stingers, javelins, counter-artillery, counter-mortar radar, anti-armor systems, that we know have been effective and we know the Ukrainians are trained on. Uh, third, Ukraine's Air Force already has several squadrons of mission-capable aircraft, and giving them more would not significantly change their effectiveness. And finally, I touched on this in the beginning, offensive versus defensive, but we also do risk assessments from the Department of Defense about what would be escalatory, um, and, what, and that is obviously uh, what we would like to avoid. So they're still all over the place. And meanwhile, Zelensky is pleading and begging for those MiGs. He didn't get that, but he did get at least some more weaponry. And listen, hopefully these drones, some of them can do some harm. That's a good thing. Some of them are armed drones. That's a good thing. Radar. Uh, But still not getting the MiGs at this point. But meantime, um, in uh, a now-deleted tweet, Kamala Harris can't seem to remember if Ukraine is part of NATO. Of course it's not NATO. Um, and that's a big source of the issue for Putin, too, that he doesn't want to ever see them to be part of NATO. I mean, so that's like a big bone of contention. And she was the one who was sent over again by the administration. Oh, my goodness. So in a tweet recently and in a comment, she also said the U.S. stands firmly with the people of Ukraine in defense of the NATO alliance, as opposed to and the NATO alliance. In other words, like they're part of NATO. The tweet got deleted and the White House is trying to do cleanup on aisle seven. By the way, speaking of cleanup, President Biden also referring to Kamala Harris as first lady in a recent gaffe. I I can't believe this. Okay, during one of the, uh, you know, events today, um, he basically said that, quote, there's been a little change of the arrangement of who's on stage because of the first lady's husband contracting COVID. Now, Kamala Harris's husband did get COVID, Doug Emhoff, tested positive earlier in the day. So he was talking about her. But, of course, Jill Biden's the first lady. That's his wife. And he can't keep track of who's his wife, who's the first lady. At least she didn't. At least he didn't say the president because he's referred to her as President Harris. But this is who's in charge at a time where Zelensky saying we may already be in World War Three. Oh, my gosh. And not to be outdone, progressive Democrats in the House of Representatives are reportedly planning to publicly urge President Biden to ban oil drilling on federal lands and record amid all the record gas prices and, of course, the war in Ukraine. Think about this. At this time where things 
are all about the lack of energy independence, where we had energy independence, we lost it. That is, of course, a big source. Had we been, I think, energy independent, it might have put Putin in a totally different situation. Maybe he wouldn't have invaded Ukraine. We would have definitely had leverage over him. Instead, we had to finally sanction, stop the oil that we were getting from Russia. I mean, what a mess this whole thing has been. And in the height of it all, I cannot believe the tone deafness of progressive Democrats. Some of the members of the squad are planning to urge Biden to do a ban of all drilling of oil on federal lands. Are you kidding me? They're planning on doing it very soon in the next few days. Are they stupid or what? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And in the middle of all of this, Ukraine is pleading, pleading, because as we know, we know that the Russian troops came in and with an airstrike, they actually leveled now what was a theater-turned-bomb shelter filled with kids and women. And we also know they are attacking people in bread lines. They are ruthless and killing civilians left and right. And this is how Ukrainian parliament member Alexei Goncharenko described the madman that is Putin. That is awful. That is a horror. And that is the face of Putin. That is what he's doing. He's a real Hitler of 21st century. And what is very important, he's not going to stop on Ukraine. That's why it's so important for the whole free world to stop him now, whereas he wants to go further. He's interested in Georgia, Moldova, uh, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Poland. All of these, and he's saying it absolutely openly, that he wants to rebuild Soviet Union with Warsaw Pact also. Hmm. That's something he should be stopped. And meantime... Of course, Russia is pals with Iran and a lot of other evil doers. And Israel is saying that they experienced uh, the largest ever cyber attack hit this week. They believe that Iran is to blame, according to a number of individuals there. And also the Middle East is warning a top general uh, that Iran has 3,000 ballistic missiles that could hit Israel. So, boy, is the world getting to be a really dangerous place. And in the meantime... Um, Some good news, at least, happening against Russia, thank goodness. There's a report that one of the other top Russian generals has been, quote, liquidated. That's almost like I love that. It's like a scene out of a out of a movie. He's been liquidated. He's been permanently removed. Um, Normally, I wouldn't cheer on news like that, but I'll cheer when it's a Russian general at this time. So he has been, quote, liquidated. And according to reports, this is the fourth general, quote, liquidated Uh, during the invasion and apparently a pretty high up one. And it happened during the storming of Mariupol, um, which is, again, where that theater filled with women and children uh, took place, where that was leveled just a little bit ago. Let's go to your calls. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Elena Intina. Go ahead, Elena, your thoughts. Hello, Rita. Hello there. How are you doing, Elena? What do you think? I mean, it it is heartbreaking to see these images of what is happening now. And Putin is just leveling everything in sight. And I cannot believe, Elena, in the middle of all this, you know, we have progressive Democrats that are pushing for, oh, let's not drill, you know, on federal lands. Let's be in a more merciless position and a more begging position with OPEC and with Russia. And, you know, I mean, these are people are nuts. Rita, merciless. That's exactly what's happened. It happened at 9-11, 
with our Twin Towers. It's happening all over Ukraine now. The destruction is merciless. And I'll tell you, they're killing women. They're killing children. This is genocide. This is we're, we're saving our women and children by asking them to leave the country because otherwise they will be in peril. And there's no end to this. This is a barbaric, barbaric behavior. I wish the women of America stood up for the women and children in Ukraine. And what do you think we should do, Elena? And do you think, by the way, even on, and I agree that for sure there should be protests everywhere. And and you're right, women and children and, and men, everybody should be protesting this just depravity. What about also, what do you think this government should do? And do you have any faith that President Biden, who can't even keep it straight who he's married to, who's the first lady, who isn't the first lady, that this is the guy who, you know, Zelensky's pleading to, to be a leader of the world? Well, Zelensky is looking for leadership, for strength, for discipline, for this is what America has been known for. And I think this is what we need now. We need out of the State Department. We're not going to get it out of the president, unfortunately. We know that. But we need it out of the State Department. We need it out of our American military leadership. We need it out of Congress. The problem is, you know, especially the ones you mentioned before Congress, they all get led by the president because, you know, the Pentagon will have to listen to what the commander in chief says. And if the commander in chief is all focused on woke education, you know, in the military, and sort of tiptoeing, he he barely could get out the words today that President, you know, President Zelensky is like, look what's happening, da 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 da. And then afterwards, President Biden's like, yeah, I think he's a war criminal. I mean, even when he finally came, it, it's taken. He's been asked that same question so many times, tiptoed around it, and even today, first he said no, and didn't even realize what the question was. Then came back and said, no, uh, actually, he is a war criminal. Like it's some epiphany he had. I mean, it's unbelievable, Elena. But Rita, there are people in the State Department that work with him. Yes, but Where he is still. They? He Where is still. They? I bet you a lot of them are, are are bald because they're probably pulling their hair out. You know, I mean, because they are probably so frustrated by what's happening. Um, but yet he is still the commander in chief, and and he's got to step up because Ukrainians are getting slaughtered, and now it's women and children, and it's getting more and more brutal, as there are reports that, you know, some of the generals on the Russian side, um, and, and it's that personality, as we were just talking about, the narcissist that is, of course, Putin, but he's getting more and more desperate, and so what is Biden going to do? Let's see if he steps up. Elena, thank you very much. I always, always love your calls. Let's go to Mike in Virginia Beach. Go ahead, Mike. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts, Mike? Well, uh, Rita, I want to commend you and thank you for bringing out the most important issue in this whole discussion that's going on all over America. You get an A+. And this is the issue that you keep bringing out. We could dismantle and hide under bales of hay and inside trucks and move in the middle of the night— the weaponry that we want the Ukrainians to have, and that includes the nuclear-tipped weapons that Vladimir Putin is worried about, and he thanks you 
for making his point. Wow, 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 wow. Mike, that's heavy duty. By the way, um, obviously a little bit of facetiousness in there, but I will say that in terms of the nukes, nobody wants that. Um, But what I do absolutely believe is that those weapons should have gotten, and I'm not talking about nukes, I'm talking about the MiGs, and I'm talking about some of the other supplies. Don't you think they should have come in to Ukraine so much sooner? Um, Because there is a way to still get them in now, but it's very difficult. Uh, And I'm putting the nuclear issue aside because, boy, is that a high-stakes issue. But, Mike, don't you think there was a way to get the MiGs in earlier, not become a big public battle over it, get them the supplies, and now we are, you know, I hope not too little too late. I hope not. Your thoughts, Mike? I'll tell you exactly what I think. I think that uh, Joe Biden has been in office for 14 months uh, of this war, and uh, Donald Trump was in office for 48 months of this war. And yes, you're right. Donald Trump could have delivered the ounce of prevention that would have uh, avoided this pound of cure that was asked for uh, of the Congress today by the president of Ukraine. Mike, there's so, one Mike, there's one problem. This war just started a few weeks ago. So Oh no it, it didn't. I, oh yes it did, Mike. Oh yes it no, did. I, oh yes no. it did. I hear I hear you're saying that there were tea leaves written and by the way, when Putin did put seventy thousand troops up along the border, that was a few months ago. Yes, Biden should have at that point done something. And I'll agree with you on that part. But even Biden, I mean, the whole time he's been in office, he should have handled Putin differently. And clearly the war has started just a few weeks ago, and he has been, I think, very lackluster. But I always appreciate your points, Mike. Thank you very, very much. We're going to continue with your calls. I love hearing from everybody, all sides here. That's the great thing about this show. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And at this hour, at any moment, the curfew is expected to be lifted in Kiev, where air rain sirens have been going off for much of the night. We'll keep you posted if the curfew continues. It is scheduled to go off again in just a few moments and was called as basically a way to see who are the good guys, who are the bad guys. And tell everybody to stay safe inside to see who was going to be out if Russian forces were going to be going out. Also, again, it comes at a time where the Russians have been bombing many civilian locations, including, as we talked about, that terrible strike of a theater in Mariupol in another part of the country where potentially up to a thousand women and children were inside, again, done by Russian forces. Um, in the middle of all this, um, some beautiful news, too. And this is coming from uh, the CEO of Goya Foods, Bob Unanwe. Uh, Bob, um, along with Goya Poland team, have joined forces with Global Empowerment Mission Knights of Columbus, also the Archbishop of Chestahova, Dominican priests, Our Lady of Mercy sisters, and they have distributed, this is incredible, 15,000 rosaries donated by the American people. How beautiful is that? And also 
300,000 pounds of food to the people of Ukraine. What a great story. It started as a mission to nourish the body. It turned out to be a mission nourishing the soul to bring peace and prayer to the people of Ukraine. Goya arrived in Poland to distribute more than 15,000 rosaries, again, donated by Americans from around the country, a handwritten letter with a request for the rosies, rosaries from the Dominican priests in Ukraine was sent just as the Goya team arrived in Poland with those rosaries. How beautiful is that? And they are also going to be leading a mission with the Goya team to Czestochowa. That's the spiritual capital of Poland. And that will be globally televised. So bravo, bravo, bravo to the Goya team that does so much uh, to give back and to help people around the globe and are now helping in a big way spiritually and also nourishment, too, uh, for the people of Ukraine. And how powerful that they gave them rosaries there donated in the midst of war. Beautiful story coming out. And uh, Bob Yunanwe and also the people, of course, of Goya Foods are just amazing. Over and over again, they do so much and give back. Bravo, bravo to them. Everybody, we're taking your calls. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike on the Lower East Side. Go ahead, Mike. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts. How, how, are, you? how, how are you, Rita? Yeah, until they get these uh, planes, the next best thing to take those tanks out is about 300 dirt bikes, motorcycles, with these crazy uh, Ukrainians on them, with freaking shoulder-mounted missiles, they would take them out in one night. Do night raids on them, you'll drive them crazy, babe. They'll be running. They'll get out of their tanks and run. Wow. Believe me, that would work. By the way, that, that would maybe scare off them. They'd be like, oh, God, what are those people doing on the?" By the way, at this point, I think they would take anything. I think we should send That's them right. MIGs. I think it'd be a little more effective. But uh, any creative idea to help them is a good one. Wow. Uh, let's go to let's go to Rob in Long Island. Rob, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, Rita. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. It just seems to me that uh, everyone's focused on the U.S., and that's justifiable to a degree. But it seems to me that the EU was just getting a pass. They've contracted themselves to Putin for his oil, and... They're funding his uh, his war. I agree. They, there should be so much pressure on them to stop buying Germany. Russian oil. I agree. And and uh, they've they've lived through a totalitarian war eighty years ago. And to me, in the media, I just don't see enough of the push to to tell the EU, you guys have to really come to the plate in a big way. They're heading into spring, summer. And and that's my that's my point. That's where, by the way, Rob, also that's where leadership comes in, because if we had a U.S. president who was demanding that they step up and do more, um, I can bet if it was President Trump, it would have been handled a lot differently. Remember how much he was pushing for them to step up the plate in terms of NATO funding? That was just on funding. That wasn't during wartime. Can you imagine? It would have been so different. And that's why you need heavy U.S. leadership. And that's why today we heard Zelensky pleading, pleading, begging for that. Let's go to Cliff in upstate New York. Cliff, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Cliff. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I was just wondering, like, Israel does such a great job defending this country. Why can't we use Patriot missiles and set up like an Iron Dome and maybe get somebody like Trump to put it in place? Because he could do it at record speed. And these other countries, 
they have to they have to ante up just like the last guy said. Yeah. I mean, this is going to affect all of us sooner or later. I mean, all these atrocities. They said never again. Well, it's happening again. I know? agree. And, By the way, Cliff, you bring up some great points, and in fact, they're looking at maybe giving some Patriots or something like that now. Um, and you're right, an Iron Dome. They need something like that. And these other countries need to step up. The world needs to step up. This needs to end. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 